Welcome to MedSider, where you can learn from experienced medical device and med tech experts through uncut and unedited interviews. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. What do Stryker, Biomet, Medtronic, and Boston Scientific all have in common? Yes, they all manufacture medical devices, but more specifically, all four of these medtech companies have implantable device divisions. And from 2005 through 2011, the implantable devices segment has been the most consistent top performer relative to other categories, including in vitro diagnostics, medical consumables, medical equipment, and diversified life sciences. But the times are quickly changing. Why? Well, the implantable devices segment has the highest SGNA expenses in comparison to the other previously mentioned categories. In fact, it's estimated that orthopedic medical device companies spend $35 billion per year on sales support. Perhaps bloated is the best word to describe this situation. But it's not just the implantable devices segment that may be in for a rude awakening. Many medtech companies spend anywhere from 200 to 500% more on SGNA versus comparable high-tech firms. And as gross margins for medical devices continue to be squeezed, all medtech companies, regardless of the specific product segment, will need to reevaluate their SGNA spend. One tool that may help in this process is MedPassage. In this interview with Gavin Fabian, co-founder and CEO, we learn how MedPassage is trying to build a more efficient medtech market through e-commerce and collaboration technologies. Here's some of the points we're going to cover. What is MedPassage and how does this platform work? Can MedPassage be considered the anti-GPO? How have hospitals, surgery centers, and other healthcare providers responded to MedPassage? And what has been the response been from medical device companies? What cost savings do healthcare providers experience through the network? And how is MedPassage different than services like Right Medical Direct and Novation Aptitude? Of course, there's a lot more we're going to cover in this interview, but before we dig in, listen to this brief message. First, to get free email updates when another MedSider episode goes live, simply go to MedSider.com forward slash free. We don't send emails often, but when we do, they're full of valuable content. No spam ever. Just go to MedSider.com forward slash free to sign up. Second, MedSider is on iTunes. Just go to MedSider.com forward slash iTunes, and you can subscribe to the podcast for free. That way, all the new episodes will automatically download to your iTunes account. It's super easy. Also, if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate it. That really helps us out. Okay, for you ambitious doers, here's your program. Hello, hello, everyone. It's Scott Nelson, and welcome to another edition of MedSider, the place where you can learn from uh, proven and experienced med tech and medical device thought leaders. And on today's program, we've got Gavin Fabian, who is the co-founder and chief executive officer of MedPassage. He co-founded MedPassage with the vision of creating a smarter med tech market where device companies and medical centers could collaborate and exchange products more efficiently than ever before. Uh, Gavin graduated from Princeton University in 2007, and he's held various product management positions at Nuvasive. Uh, and Spineworks uh, prior to co-founding MedPassage. So without further ado, welcome to the program, Gavin. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. So uh, let's first start out with um, what MedPassage is, if you can provide a little bit of an overview there, and what you're trying to do, 
and then we'll dig into uh, to how this idea was born, uh, and then as well as some uh, some some further detailed questions in regards to what your uh, what your experience has been as you as you've launched this platform. So let's start there. Sure, sure. Uh, you know the concept was really to create a more efficient way to market and sell medical technology. So you know we were looking at the market and seeing. Uh, more and more pricing pressure uh, coming down from the hospitals, and we felt that for device companies to maintain margins and be successful moving forward, they're going to have to figure out more efficient ways to sell their products. And currently, just to to market it and sell a product, you you know, you're looking at uh, salaries for salespeople and then commission rates on top of that. If you can't afford salespeople, it was, you know, 30 to 50 percentage points to get the product out, and when you're in a price-conscious market, uh, increasingly price-conscious, you have to be able to commercialize your product more efficiently to be able to meet those uh, pricing needs. So that's really where the concept came out of, was just, hey, let's get a product out using e-commerce and networking technology uh, that allows these device companies to communicate the value proposition of their products and transact business at lower cost. Gotcha. Okay, so that's the thesis. Now, give us a brief overview of what the the platform actually is, without going into too much detail, because we'll, we'll circle back around and dig into it. But give us a little bit of yeah. an overview of what this kind of looks like from a from a lay, uh, layman's perspective. Sure, layman's perspective. It's Amazon for implants. It, that's really it, and it's custom built Amazon to process medical device transactions. So. If you look at, you know, a lot of these implants that are ordered, you know, it's not like you're ordering, you know, one implant. Oftentimes you're ordering 50 implants and you're not sure which one you're going to put in until you've actually cut the patient open. So you've got trays and some of the trays are on loaner. Um, some of them are consigned. And so there's a lot of nuances to an implant deal. And so we've customized Amazon to meet the needs of implant transactions. And that's really it. Uh, it's Amazon for implants. Got it. So you're you're looking at what Amazon is doing for uh, for consumers and how consumers interact with that platform and buy and buy products or purchase products, etc. And you're basically trying to uh, trying to um, adapt that same sort of concept to medical device transactions. Yeah, I mean you you've seen it happen in a ton of industries over the years. So you know brokers years ago used to make seventy nine dollars a transaction. You know, now you go on E-Trade and it's $7 a transaction. Uh, you used to have to go to a car, car lot uh, to get a car uh, and get sold on a non-transparent price, and now you can go to CarMax and there's no price negotiation. The car's right there, and it's simple. So we're really just trying to repurpose technology that's uh, done wonders in other industries and just apply it to medical. Um, but... You know, medical is probably the most complex market of those, so we've really tried to make sure that we are aware of the nuances of applying this technology to the medical space. So we have uh, physicians and nurses and OR staff that are guiding the, uh, the software construction so that what we actually have meets their needs. Okay. Okay, so that that's a, that's a great overview, and and like I just said, we'll dig into to, to more specific and detailed questions uh, in a little bit. But I'd like to first understand how the idea for this uh, this platform was born. And I and I and I mentioned um, sort of in the intro that that you spent some time at uh, I think Microvention, which is a, a, a Turumo subsidiary. You, you spent some time at Nuvasive. 
which, um, mm-hmm. which is a spine device company, for those who aren't, who aren't familiar with Nuvasiv. Talk to me a little bit about, um, about how this idea came to be and what it looked like uh, while you were sort of, uh, sort of trying to put it together um, while at the, I'm not sure if, you're, you're, you know, if you were still at Spineworks at the time, but ex- let's, let's, uh, let's, let's start there. Yeah, sure. No, I, you know, I uh, was at Nuvasiv when I really started to understand the device industry. And, you know, Nuvasiv had resources that, uh, that when I went to a smaller company, I realized they didn't have. And so Nuvasiv could spend quite a bit of money uh, marketing their products, getting the biggest trade show booth at the shows, you know, mm-hmm. uh, huge travel budgets, and they could hire the best salespeople in the industry and cover the entire country. And they, they did that and were able to get their products to market um, quickly, not cost efficiently, but quickly. And at a smaller device company, that's not really uh, an option. And so we, we felt, hey, let's create, create a platform, level the playing field, and let the physicians decide what's valuable to them. If, it, if it's valuable for them to do business with a brand name company, then they'll pay a little extra for it. Um, but if they just want a quality FDA-approved, lower-priced generic, then they can choose that. And so we really wanted to put, uh, just level the playing field and allow the physicians to make purchasing decisions based on their own value equation. And in the market right now, prices aren't transparent, um, and most medical centers don't know about a lot of these smaller companies. So our platform really levels the playing field uh, so that everyone has a chance to compete um, and what we found is that, uh, you know, when we put out our site that as much as it was designed for the device companies, the buyers love it because they get a one-stop shopping for implants. It's simple. It's price transparent. Uh, they don't have to do a ton of contract work negotiations. It's really as simple as Amazon. If they like a product, they buy it. If they don't want to buy anything, there's no, um, they're not forced into buying anything. So that was, that was really the concept just to, um, we had experience working with uh, big and small device companies, and just both uh, Mike and I, my co-founder, uh, felt that as a team we could build a more efficient way to get these products out. So my background is a product manager, um, you know, commer- working on developing the product and commercializing it, and then Mike sold it. And so Mike understands the, the buyer side pretty well, and I understand the device company side and so we use those strengths to uh to build this company okay and so you were were you at spineworks then when you when this idea when you begin to formulate uh, an actual plan for uh the med passage platform no i i actually left um left spineworks okay and really didn't start med passage for about six to eight months after that okay um and and really during that six to eight months um, met with uh, industry folks and and people who knew the market and physicians and made sure that if I was spending my time and risking my uh, savings on this concept, that there was actually some meat behind it. And so um, we got some. We developed a prototype um, for about ten thousand bucks. We went out and we showed this prototype, which wasn't a working platform, but it could demonstrate what we were trying to accomplish. And we showed it to some angel investors, some device companies, and they said, yeah, this solves a need. We would use it. 
and the investors said, hey, we'll put some money into it. So that really allowed us to, to build a team around this concept uh, once we closed that funding and then allowed us to commercialize a true working uh, beta, which is what we have now. And we have physicians and device companies doing business on this platform right now and really um, taking their feedback and refining this thing. But it was a it was a gradual process of kind of validating the market at each point where we chose to spend more money building a business. Got it. And so this was 2012 when you, uh, when you uh, decided to build out like a prototype platform uh, to begin to show mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to health system buyers as well as medical device companies, physicians, et cetera, um, to see whether, whether, whether or not this idea was sticky. Okay. Um, yep. So you, were, you felt strong enough about the idea that you went ahead and left your, uh, your gig at Spineworks to, uh, to pursue this. I actually had some consulting work okay. uh, in between Spineworks um, that was not uh, device-related. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I did. Essentially, I, I left uh, having stable income yeah. to, to do this. Yeah, so we, we, my wife and I burned through quite a bit of our savings in the process <laughs> of getting this going, and uh, we, were, we were very uh, happy when we were able to get some investment money so that, uh, that I didn't have to continue doing that. Got it. Got it. And and when did that initial? Um, I'm not sure if you're if you're consider if you would consider it an an angel round per se. But when did that that initial uh, investment money came in, in in 2012 as well? Yeah, it came in uh, mid to late 2012. Okay. Okay. And the reason I'm asking these over, questions over, is I want mid to late 2012. I just want to give the audience a little bit of a time frame um, uh, as, as to how uh, how this when when this you know when you had the original idea. Uh, when you and Mike uh, begin to formulate a plan and, and build out the prototype, so um, no, gotcha. that's a that's a uh, no, that, that that's a great story. So um, you're you're obviously building out a a a platform, a product that has two sides, right? And so you're going to face the chicken, you know, the classic chicken and the egg sort of problem, um, where from the from the buyer's perspective or the hospital's perspective, uh, they want to be able to log on and see a wide variety of products that they can potentially purchase, but you've also got to, you know, go to the, 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 the device manufacturers and, and, and sort of sell them on the idea as well. So um, let's, let's dig into that and, and how, you've, how you've approached that, uh, that chicken and egg problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that was a big concern of ours when we got going, and what we found most effective was just totally reducing the barriers to entry for both the buyers and the sellers. So on the buyer side, we don't charge surgery centers anything ever. So we don't, surgery centers and hospitals are actually starting to refer to us as the anti-GPO <laughs> because we have no compliance requirements, uh, no long-term contracts, and they don't have to pay us anything ever. Um, and so the surgery centers and hospitals love the idea that they can buy in that type of environment uh, with transparent prices. Um, and then on the device company side, we basically said, we're not going to get paid until you get paid. You know, we're confident enough that we can create an effective market where your products will sell. And if we don't generate sales for you, then, then we don't get paid. And so we've really created a situation or tried to create a situation where there's a, uh, a no-lose environment where we're just out there to prove that hey, we're going to do what we say we're going to do, and until we do that, we're not going to charge you anything. Got it. 
I love the fact that you brought up the anti-GPO because from a, from a device sales perspective, and I can speak to this directly, and, 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 and so can you because you've seen it firsthand, uh, a lot of the times when, when I'm negotiating with a particular hospital or health system, I almost prefer to work off the GPO because I can offer better pricing. Uh, and so I love the fact that you brought up the, the anti-GPO because sometimes I wonder, like, what, what is the real value that hospitals have with, uh, with GPOs like Premier and uh, Innovation and HPG, especially the, the GPOs that really don't drive compliance. It's, uh, it's sometimes been, uh, been in, uh, you know, made for interesting conversations. So, um, yeah. so you tried to reduce as much friction as possible. So let, let's talk about how, how surgery centers and hospitals um, have responded to this platform um, and then, and then we'll, uh, and then as a follow up, I'd like to ask you, you know, what's the response been from uh, from medical device companies? Yeah, absolutely. So the f- the first question would be, how are the device companies responding, or how are the the buyers responding? Let, let's start with the buyers, because I mean, it, it's a nice segue talking about sort of the, the the network effect, the chicken and the egg problem. Uh, you've had to obviously go to both the buyers, the you know, the hospital surgery centers. And the, med- and, and, the, and, the, and the product side, the medical device manufacturers. So um, what yeah. you, you mentioned that you've, made, you've tried to made it, make it very easy for surgery centers and hospitals, um, reduce as much friction as possible. So uh, I presume the response has been good. Have there been any, any issues that have come up and, and what, what challenges have you, have you had, had to overcome in respect to hospitals and surgery or getting hospitals and surgery centers on board? Yeah, uh, you know, if there's... if. We haven't gotten many no's. Uh, we've gotten, hey, this, we've got a lot of things on our plate, mm-hmm. uh, but we'd like to continue discussions, but we're not ready to sign up at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of that is because uh, hospitals are focusing on EMR implementation for the meaningful use requirements, and they just got enough on their plate right now. Um, but as that requirement gets fulfilled by the end of 2013, uh, we can talk to those hospitals in 2014. Um, what we've really targeted is the surgery center market. Um, the surgery centers, 90% of them out there are physician-owned or have physician ownership, and our model really works when there's physician alignment with cost savings. Um, a lot of doctors in hospitals, they have no idea what the products cost, and there's really no incentive for them to get a more cost-effective product. And so... Um, there, will, there will eventually be incentives for uh, doctors and hospitals, and you're seeing more and more of that. Mm-hmm. But the surgery center market's right for this right now, and we've had a lot of traction. I mean, um, you know, like take Medicare patients, for example. A lot of Medicare patients are declined at surgery centers because the cost of the implants make it a net loss to do that surgery because the Medicare payment is just a lump sum payment versus cost plus reimbursement from a private pair. So if the guy can do a, you know, a knee replacement and the Medicare payment's $10,000, if that doctor, you know, spends over $10,000 on that surgery, it's taken out of his pocket. And so this platform, and most products on our platform are selling at 40 to 60% off of standard industry selling prices, not list prices, but selling prices. And these doctors look at this and they're like, Man, I can I can take these patients. I don't need to deny them anymore. I can I can take these patients for a rotator cuff repair, and I can use five anchors, and I'm not going to be in the red. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of surgery centers we're working with are adopting this, uh, and right out of the gate using it for their Medicare patients. Got it. Um, 
and so that's been kind of the reception. I think that the hospitals are interested, uh, but we don't have the sales horsepower to really go after hospitals. It's going to be a much longer sales cycle, and there's going to be a lot more bureaucracy, and there's less alignment with the physicians and the management's goals. Right. Those are some really fantastic points, and really two that stand out to me, and they're fairly similar, really, in that um, you mentioned the idea that, that healthcare is moving more towards a um, um, uh, moving more towards metrics around price and how efficacious these devices are in terms of cost and reducing the cost of healthcare, and it almost seems like a platform like this would help almost help push that that for, forward. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that because you're targeting surgery centers and there's more natural alignment because physicians typically have ownership, they recognize the cost savings that a platform like this would provide. Um, versus in the hospital setting, most physicians are, like you said earlier, are completely unaware of how much, they may be aware of, of the effort to reduce costs, but they have no idea how much, um, you know, one implant costs versus another. They may have general idea, but but there's absolutely no transparency. Um, so those yeah. are some those are some fantastic points, though, and um, uh, something I didn't realize in doing the research for this interview until you brought that up. But those are great points. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I agree with what you said. Um, so so the response overwhelm overwhelmingly on the on the buyer side, I guess, on the kind of the the, the healthcare provider side has been been positive, other than other than maybe the. Uh, the, the cycle the onboarding time might be a little bit long because of uh, of other of other uh, of other items on their plate I guess for lack of a better description but but talk to me mm-hmm. talk to uh, talk to me now a little bit about the response on the medical device side um, um, and what that's been like as you've approached uh, medical device companies uh, about uh, the med passage platform sure I, I think there's well I guess I'd start with uh, it's been positive so device companies. Um, most of them see the surgery center market as a difficult market to address. And so our platform has a captive audience of surgery center buyers. And so in general, there's a lot of interest. Like, can these guys help me get to those buyers at lower costs? Um, I think that there's concern about having prices that are transparent out there. This is an industry where there's been uh, not a whole lot of transparency on a lot of fronts. And some people don't want to be the first to step in and, and be the one to be transparent. Um, so that, that's, you know, that, that's a challenge, absolutely. I think that this market uh, has to become more transparent. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to happen. Um, and we're seeing companies do it without us, too. I mean, there's, there's tons, I shouldn't say tons, there's many small companies now that are creating their own website and selling their products totally uh, price transparent. Um, and those companies, I mean, it's a no-brainer. They're, they come on our platform very quickly. Um, another technology that we built to protect the device companies from, you know, we, we would go to some small device companies and they'd say, this is awesome. You know, I have 0.1% of the market and you can help me address the other 99%. But... If I lose this, if I go with a transparent price and I lose uh, that first customer I have because I'm selling on MedPassage for a thousand bucks, but I charge that customer I have five thousand bucks, and they see that price, then the revenue I have coming in and the profit that's paying the bills goes away, 
so how can I protect the business that I have that is at high margins? Mm -hmm. And so basically what we've done is we've created technology that we call exposure controls. And the exposure controls allow device companies to go in and pick and choose these buyers within our network that they want to do business with. And by default, all the buyers are blocked. So if someone comes in and creates an account to sell their product, no one can see their products. And they'll go into these exposure controls and pick the ones that they want to sell to and not sell to. So let's say they have great pricing in California and they don't want to lose that and they have a great distributor in California. Well, they can just never turn California on but turn on the Midwest and the Northeast. And they can get as granular as the actual center. So that's really something that has, and it sounds like a small technology, but those exposure controls have opened up a ton of doors for us hmm. because it truly creates a no-lose situation because all we're doing is we're saying, hey, we don't want to interfere with existing business. Uh, if you have great distributors in certain areas, use them totally fine. But if there's any part of the market you don't have coverage of, we can do that for you. And all the revenue at that point is just incremental. Yeah. So if you have to offer a lower price, you know, if the screw costs you 50 bucks to make and you can sell it for 200 instead of 400, I mean, it's revenue. And, and it's not revenue you were getting before. And so that's really been what's opened up the eyes of some of these device companies and got them interested, is the idea for incremental revenue gains with very little risk um, with interfering with their existing business. So that's kind of a, a broad picture of, you know, what we've experienced with the device companies. Um, that, that's, uh, and, and is, that, is that, 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 that component of your system, the, 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 the price exposure component, uh, was that something that you had built in when you initially launched, or is that something uh, that you built in after the fact uh, because after. Due, due, to, yeah, due to responses that you were getting from medical device companies? So you sort of had to not necessarily iterate per se, but add that as a core feature because of the, uh, yeah. the feedback that you, you were receiving. Yep, exactly. So a core tenet of our business is that if you're going to sell a product on our site, every buyer deserves the right to the same price. And we get buyers because they love that. So we can't compromise on that. But what we did say is, look, if you don't want to expose your product at all on MedPassage to this buyer, you don't have to. But if you are going to have a sale with one of our buyers, it's always going to be at a price that's available to all our buyers. Okay. But yes, we, we were getting certain device companies who were like, look, it, the, the risk of being transparent is me losing margins on, on some of my high-paying customers. And so what we, we came back to them after we built the technology, and they said, okay, I'm ready to go, because now that's not a concern. I mean, the technology literally cuts off that concern, because now they don't even need to expose themselves Got it. to those buyers. Got it. That's it. And how do you, does that make sense? The, it does. The problem in the solution. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a ton of sense, and it's a brilliant. Uh, it's a brilliant sort of feature to your to your platform because I got to think most device companies are concerned not only with with price exposure, but if they have like and you mentioned this earlier, you kind of called this point out. If they have an existing rep or distributor in place in a certain geography, and business is doing well there, why 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 fix what's not or why try to fix what's not broken? Sort exactly. Of, sort of an idea. Exactly. And so. Um, no, that's 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 a great. Uh, that's seems it would seem like there's not a lot of holes in that in that particular uh, you know um, uh, feature set for device companies anyway. Now, how do you respond to the buyer, um, or what's your response been uh, to the 
to the to the idea that if if you make this if if I'm a medical device company and I, and and and, and Med Passage is or one of your core tenants is that my price has got to be be the same to all buyers. Well, what if a buyer in rural Midwest uh, doesn't do as much volume as a center in in Metro Chicago or something along those lines? Uh, pick your city, I guess, of choice. Um, how do you respond to that? The the different volumes that different centers do, and the fact that maybe some 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 uh, surgery centers should should or deserve lower pricing based on their volume. Yeah. So currently, the you know the thought process here is that let's say you get a uh, a membership to Costco, right? You pay fifty bucks, you get your card. You're familiar with Costco, right, Scott? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you get a card to Costco. And you go into Costco, well, you're, I, have a, I have a Costco card, and I don't buy a ton of uh, groceries. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's just my wife and I. Yeah. But when I go to Costco, I'm in there with restaurant owners who are buying loads and loads of food. And I'm getting the same price as those guys. Um, but the interesting thing is the prices are so good, and the buying environment is so refreshing, that those restaurant owners are still in there buying the product. Hmm. It's just easy, it's great prices, good quality, good service. And so that's really the model on our platform. It's, look, let's not complicate things. You know, we're already giving you a 60% discount. Um, maybe it'd be five. I mean, the prices are so low at this right. point. I mean, it, it's like you, we could create an uh, option where you could offer a 5% additional discount, but what we found is that even the large hospitals and the surgery centers are all happy with the prices, and that hasn't been an issue. Um, now, if we ever developed something like that where there were volume-based discounts, it would just be along the same lines where you have to be transparent about your volume-based discount. So if you're going to make a volume-based discount applicable to you know, Dr. Joe in New York, you have to make it available to jo- Dr. John in Kansas. Gotcha. You know? yeah. um, but, but to date, it really hasn't been an issue. The, the prices are really good, and um, you know, people have been pretty happy with it. Gotcha. And and in in regards to pricing, you mentioned earlier that a lot of times you're able to to reduce pricing anywhere from forty to six percent, forty to sixty percent, not off list pricing, but off the ASP. That seems like a. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like an enormous reduction. Is that really legit? That sort of, those sort of discounts. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at a cervical cage, for example, um, average uh, list price with your top four industry players is twenty seven fifty. Uh, the average selling price is one thousand two hundred fifty dollars, and and buyers are very aware that list price doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, it's just a starting point so that the device company can market a big discount, um, and. And so at twelve fifty being the average selling price, our prices on our platform are between five hundred uh and and nine hundred dollars on our platform. So the five hundred dollar brand is gonna be uh, a smaller company and then the nine hundred dollar brand uh tends to be a more name brand that the doctors are familiar with. Okay. And then there's options in between. Okay. And that trend is pretty applicable. Through throughout uh, our various product categories and spine and ortho um, and disposables. Okay, wow, that's that's a significant discount. And as a salesperson, uh, 
that that tells me that I, I either need to bring a lot more value to my customers, or uh, or I, I'm not I'm not you know I don't know if there's an alternative you know if you want to maintain those sort of margins. But um, let let's talk yeah, about let's, you know what actually we actually um, have been approached by distributors and have uh, accounts for distributors. So distributors, you know we're. We're just responding to a market need. We're not driving prices down. Mm-hmm. We are just, I mean, we're just responding to what the market wants. And the market, wa- I mean, the market has had pricing pressure long before we came into existence. Yep. And distributors out there had been watching this happen. And if they're, you know, used to get $2,000 for that implant, now they're getting 800 All of a sudden, that two, three hours they're spending in the operating room is not a very, uh, uh, good use of their time. You know, if you're making 80 bucks to stand in an OR for three, four hours, you know, uh, distributors are looking for ways to automate that. Okay. So distributors have approached us and they said, look, can I put my product lines on your platform? And for the surgeries when I don't need to be in the OR, I can train my physician staff how to order through this and mm-hmm. replenish their sets and do these types of things. And that way I can spend more of my time hunting been sitting in the OR for, you know, four hours making 80 bucks. Right. Now I can just automate that and I can go out and, and uh, get new business. I think that's really, uh, we, that was an unexpected uh, market for us. Yeah. That, distributors. Yeah. But, I can yeah. I can see how that I can see how that would be the case because that's, that's surprising to hear that. But after your explanation, it does make a ton of sense. Uh, and, and if you've ever been in the shoes of a salesperson, I mean, a lot of times being in those cases, you almost feel like you have to be in those procedures and you're not necessarily delivering a lot of value. And maybe the physician is probably thinking the same thing. It's just sort of you're there out of routine where... Yeah, it's a courtesy. Yeah, yeah. yeah where after, you know, from the physician's perspective, they, they maybe could very well do this, all, do this case all on their own. And they would like the idea that they can save some money, especially if there's natural alignment through some sort of ownership. And, 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 you know, from the, from the rep standpoint, you're thinking, well, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily need to be here. I'd rather be out, you know, trying to, trying to find new business or convert, convert new business. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, let's, let's segue into products. And, and I, I presume that you started off in the spine market just because that's, that's what you're familiar with. But can you give, us a, give me a little bit of an overview of, 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 uh, of what products are being, um, are, are being um, uh, uh, purchased through, uh, through the MedPassage platform? Sure. Yeah, so we have a variety of spine orthopedic disposable products. We also have some soft goods with braces, um, although that's not really a big focus of ours, but we do have um, soft goods there, and we're just starting to get into the vascular market. Okay. So um, coils and stents and catheters. Um, but if you look at spine, you know, we have your cervical cages, cervical plates, biologics, um, pedicle screws, a, a lot of inner body cages. We, we, we basically have everything except for the very service technical intensive products. So we, we would advise a device company to not put a motion preservation device on our platform at this point um, or a procedure that is very new because mm-hmm. our platform is really built to automate the sale and transactional process of what we call routine surgeries. So we, we will not have like dynamic stabilization and, 
all the you know the investigational stuff, we won't have those products on our platform. Got it. And and that same trend applies in orthopedics. You know, we'll have all the the plating, so distal radius plates, small and large frag sets, um, shoulder anchors, uh, ACL grafts, tendons, um, but anything that's you know very tech, technically intensive. Uh, we we do not provide on our platform. Okay, okay. Um, so so really, it's either commoditized products or products that are sort of on the downward slope of the bell curve, basically. I, you know, I actually wouldn't say that. Um, you know, what, we call we just say they're products where the technique is stable. So let's take okay. for example, That's a good like way to put it. Yeah. a like a golf club, right? Like uh, if you go to Golf Smith, you'll see. $400 drivers and then you'll see like the $50 drivers and they look very similar and you swing them the same way but the $400 drivers are a lot better. It has better alloys, it has more research behind it, the shafts better and but at the end of the day the technique is stable. So what we say is and we don't want to insult the device companies because we think we have great products on our site and some of them are totally cutting edge but the technique is stable. So when I say we won't have uh, you know, investigational products on our site. I, I'm primarily focusing on the ones that have techniques where a sales rep absolutely has to be there to walk the doctor through that case. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about like an excellent um, that I used to be a product manager for at Nuvasive, like that would not be something you'd want to put on this platform. You know, you, you really need a lot of support and that's just not uh, a market that we are addressing with this. It's primarily routine surgeries. Got it. And, and speaking, of, sp- speaking of support for cases, um, I think I, I, uh, I, I read this in a, in a, in a previous piece in, in doing some research for this interview, uh, that you mentioned that um, device companies have the option of, of, of using service and support as a line item charge for that particular order. Mm-hmm. So a, as an example, if someone's ordering, and I'm, I'm, my wheelhouse is more the vascular space, so I'm a little bit unfamiliar with spine, but if someone is ordering some, some spine products for a particular case, and they actually want to have the rep come for support, or that, doctor prefer, or that particular physician prefers that, that, that rep support, that device company can add that in as a sort of a line item charge. Am I understanding that correct? That's correct, and the device company can dictate the charge of that. So let's say they, if that support is fifteen hundred dollars, then they can list that line item at fifteen hundred. If it's five hundred, it's five hundred, um, and then the the device sorry the buyer can choose if they want that uh, service or not. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, and then in, in regards to um, the onboarding process for medical device companies, or what it takes for them to kind of get on the platform. Um, a lot of, in my experience anyway, a lot of large strategics, the, the, the Medtronics, the Boston Scientifics, the Covidians of the world, have pretty archaic back-end systems. So I would, I would guess, or I, I would assume that it would be somewhat difficult to sort of um, create almost an API between MedPassage's platform and that device company. Am I assuming wrong, yeah. or can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, we, we, don't, uh, we don't do the onboarding process by integrating with uh, other people's systems. Okay. We literally um, have a Dropbox uh, where we have a packet that they need to fill out. So there's a spreadsheet with all their part numbers, product descriptions, prices, 
and then we get all the images, the video files, the marketing literature, FDA documentation, everything we need to create their product advertisements. And we get that in a Dropbox, and then we take that information, and we do all the product uploading. So the, the device company is not uh, becoming a specialist in our software. And okay. We make it very simple. So we do all the onboarding. We create all their advertisements. We set up their account. We even create a private account for them so that they can send their buyers directly to their products, and it's branded like if it was Medtronic, it'd be Medtronic powered by MedPassage, and it's just totally their site, um, even with their own URL. So we, we really um, do a lot of work setting them up for success, and we don't uh, demand much from them. So we, we set up the account. usually takes about two weeks, um, and then we allow another two weeks for feedback and further improvements. So let's say, you know, I turn an account over to Scott. Scott can go through it, check it out but he sees some issues with it, like the products aren't marketed right or you'd like something structured differently. We take two weeks and we make sure that we meet your needs and then you go live and then you choose which centers in our network you want to start with and, and that's really it. So it's really a low, we, we call it white glove e-commerce. So it, okay. it's not like you're doing everything yourself. We really handhold these device companies through it. Got it. Okay. Uh, that's that's a great that's a great little tagline white white glove uh, e-commerce I like that and so in in terms of a business model you mentioned that you don't charge um, you don't charge anything to to buyers or healthcare providers I presume you then take a cut of whatever's sold on the yep. you know through the MedPassage platform okay and, and does that vary de- does that vary depending on on the on the particular product or how much margin is built in or what does that look like no can, you, know, can you we, speak to that we, at all I guess. We, yeah, so we, we apply the same rules that we um, demand the sellers. You know, we, we ask the sellers to give transparency on their prices to the buyers, and, and we do the same thing with them. So, you know, our commission rate is 10%. Uh, we charge 10% if it's a buyer that we've brought into the platform, and if it's existing business for that seller that they want to run through MedPassage because they see some efficiency in it, it's 1% to 3%. Uh, based on transactional volume. Okay, so, so explain that a little bit for I'm, I'm having a. Uh, it's it's easy to think of the ten percent, but you said for add-on business. Ex- can you give an example, maybe? Well, that would better explain that. What happened is we started working with device companies that were selling to some of our buyers, and they're like, "Man, this this system is awesome. I I love the way that I can market my products through this. The way the transactions flow is really smooth. It's a value add to my customers." can I bring some of my own customers in, you know? Uh, okay. And we were like, well, well, sure, that's no problem. And, and they were like, well, I, I'm uncomfortable paying 10% though because you're not doing any selling at this point. You're really just offering me the software. Okay. So we said, you're right. So what would be a rate that would make sense? And what we've really determined is that 1% to 3% for that type of business makes sense. And it, and it drops from 3 to 1 as the... Uh, volume increases. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. That 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 helps me understand uh, uh, a lot better. Um, okay. Very good. Cool. And then uh, you know, as we as we reach towards a, a conclusion, because we're approaching, you know, I, I don't know, what is it, forty five minutes, maybe on the forty forty five minutes, something like that. Um, it's been a inter- very interesting interesting conversation. But what is your take on on what I would perceive as competitors to to the Mid Passage platform? For example, 
Wright Medical, even though I think they recently sold off their, I think I just read that they sold their, their, their hip and, and knee business, but I, I, I've recently read a, read a piece about Wright Medical going direct to consumers through, mm-hmm. I think they're referring to it as Wright Medical Direct. Um, Novation, the Novation Aptitude uh, platform, which I don't know a lot of details other than Novation and GPOs kind of come out with some sort of platform that would, that would maybe resemble this. Can you speak to a couple of those different avenues and what, what your... Uh, what your take? I'd love, I'd love to get your take on. Yeah. On, uh, on how well, you first of all, I mean, it's a it's a forty. The the U.S. implant market is forty three billion dollars. So it's not it's not like one of these competitors you mentioned is going to take all forty three billion dollars. And the way we view it is, these type of models are validating that the way we look at the market is pretty accurate. That that the buyers want more value, more cost efficiency, and they're willing to forgo uh, the in-person service for products that don't require it. And so really for us, it's validation that we're doing the right things. And we just believe that the way we're doing it is a little bit better. Um, and so the, mo- the models you mentioned, like uh, Right Medical Direct, I mean, there's a lot of device companies that are going uh, direct and have their websites where they'll sell direct. And, Actually, we welcome those companies to come into our platform. I mean, there's no reason these companies can't have their own website and then also offer the products through ours. Um, and we've actually seen that happen where device companies that have their own direct model will also use us. Um, and then your GPOs, I mean, the whole innovation aptitude launch, my understanding of that from our buyers that we have on our platform that are customers' innovation, uh, essentially tell us that it's just a more efficient way to run the GPO model. And we're very different than a GPO. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of focus around uh, delivering cost efficiencies on the implant side. And we view these as validation that we're doing the right thing. I mean, it's, it's so early on um, that I think the more and more um, physicians and device companies that, see models like this coming about, it just helps our cause when we introduce our concept. Got it. Oh, that makes, that, that's, that makes sense. Um, makes a ton of sense. Okay, uh, cool. Anything else, um, before I ask you this, this last question, which is more of a personal question, um, where would you, if, if, if folks listening to this want to learn more about MedPassage Med or reach out to you, where would you direct them uh, before I ask you this last question? Yeah, I mean, they, so they can go to our website and, uh, and sign up. And the sign-up process is just um, an opportunity to connect over a conference call. Um, or they can email me directly. I mean, we're, we're, we're not a huge company. We operate like a startup. So my email is gavin.sabian at medpassage.com. And uh, that's the fun thing about, about having a startup is we are very close to all our customers. And, uh, and we're very approachable. So I think that anyone that want to get a hold of us would have no problem. Got it. And for those listening, um, I will, you can read the transcript, of course, um, to, to get that link. But also in the show notes for this particular episode, I will, uh, I will link up to Med, Med Passage, of course. But it's M-E-D-P-A-S-S-A-G-E, MedPassage.com, uh, for, those, for those listening. Um, and then my last question, like I said, is more of a personal one. Um, you went to Princeton, correct, Gavin? Yep. Um, obviously had some quality experience at, at, at Nuvasiv, um, at, at Spineworks, et cetera. Um, 
what you know, it, it, what would appear to be on it, you, you, you looked like you were on a, a, a good, you know, a nice little career tra trajectory within a, you know, within a, a large device company. Um, why did you, uh, why did you, why did you, why, why did you pursue the entre entrepreneurial adventure? And then as a, you know, as a follow-up question, I guess, what would you say has been, um, has been the biggest thing that you now know that you wish you knew maybe back in 2011 or 2012 when you were thinking about this idea? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think, you know, it, you really want to be doing, what, whatever you're doing, you want to be passionate about. And I'm really passionate about making healthcare uh, more efficient and helping our healthcare system be the best in the world. And I felt that there was a real lack in uh, our ability to deliver products efficiently. Um, and so I guess I decided to do this just because I saw an opportunity and I wanted to make something better and, and I did it. I mean, I, I'm, I like to uh, disrupt mm -hmm. and, and kind of be a renegade and go after things that I think are real. And so we validated this market and we were all fired up about it. And I, you know, I don't have, uh, uh, kids or, you know, an expensive lifestyle. So I was able to, to do this. Now, if this was, you know, five years from now, that might be a different story, but I was at a place in my life where, um, I had enough industry experience where I felt like I understood this market and had some ideas on how we can make it better. And, you know, I, I, I really just enjoy the process of working with a small team to, to, to make something better. And we're all, we're all really passionate about what we're doing. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, or Scott, if you've seen the um, TED Talks uh, Why uh, video, like why, you know. Like ask the question why? Yeah, like it's like when you're selling a product or you're, you're starting a business, what's more important to your customers is the why than the what. And, and so we always focus on selling the why, you know, that we want to uh, make healthcare better and, and deliver high quality products more efficiently and, and really focus on the why rather than the what, like rather than say, you know, we have an e-commerce platform for medical devices. Uh, cause that's not that exciting. What's really exciting is that there's some young guys who are aggressively trying to make something better and we're really passionate, uh, about our business. Hmm. And so that, I think that, you know, that's what drives us is the whole why statement, um, and then uh, your last question was, uh, was, was sorry, what, if there's one, no, go ahead. I, I've heard about those, uh, the, that, that TEDx, I, I, is it a series of TEDx talks? I've heard about that one particular, uh, I have yet to watch it, but, um, but yeah, it's another it's reminder incredible. for me to, for me to check it out, I guess. But, um, but my la my other question was, and, and you somewhat answered it already, but, um, if there's, is there one thing that sticks out that you, that you know now that you wish you knew maybe two years ago when you were first uh, sort of launching into this, uh, this endeavor? Yeah, in, in general, I think that uh, there's a lot of uh, great ideas out there. Um, but what really makes a great idea uh, come to life is execution. Mm -hmm. and, and getting a startup off the ground is not simple, and it's, it's really tough. I mean, you got to make sure that your market actually wants what you have, that they're willing to pay for it, 
Um, you have to segment your market so you don't waste your time selling to the wrong people. Uh, you need to make sure you're capitalized to so that you can actually execute your plan and have the resources to do it. Um, and then you need a really good team around you. And those are all things that when I got started, I didn't really understand. You know, I just had a concept that, uh, that people in the industry validated and I just went after it. And if I understood those things down at the gate, I probably would have been a whole lot more efficient in the way I raised money, the way um, we brought on customers and targeted customers. I mean, it was only until the last four months when we decided we're only going to focus on surgery centers. If we had, if we had made that decision a year ago, we would have probably saved a ton of time and money. So I think just in general, um, I, I'm, some of these problems are unavoidable. You, you know, it's like a catch-22. You have to do it to, to learn these things. But there's some great books out there for anyone that's getting a startup going that they should read before they try to execute their plan. And, and one of them is The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal book. Um, another book's uh, Crossing the Chasm. Um, talks about kind of how you flow through your market segments. And then uh, Blue Ocean Strategy is another one. So I, I guess just general education. When I got started, I, I was just a guy that was excited about a concept and, and, and there's a lot that goes into it uh, beyond just having uh, passion. Got it. So uh, great, great. I hope that answers your question. No, no, it does. It does a lot. And I, I'm always, uh, you know, back, back to the point you made earlier about, um, about, um, the, the fact that ideas are sort of a dime a dozen. It's, it's really all about execution. Uh, that's so, so important. It always amazes me how many people want uh, an NDA, you know, someone to sign an NDA or not disclosure agreement, and it's, uh, it's almost foolish. Um, yeah, because... <laughs> exactly. I remember, I remember the first time I brought an NDA to a VC, and they just laughed. They're like, yeah. come on, I, I can't sign that. And, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned competition, and, and uh, and I think you asked a question on a previous conversation we had, like why why can't someone else go out and do it? Mm-hmm. And I would say that, that you know the idea of, of having Amazon for implants. I mean, although I'd like to take credit for a great idea, I mean, I'm sure hundreds of people have had that idea. Um, but it's all about execution. Mm-hmm. And 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 so our what keeps us up late at night is are we going to execute better than anyone else who wants to do this? Um, and I think that's really what it takes to get most ideas off the ground. I mean, rarely do you have IP that can't be uh, skirted. I mean, I know, I know it in the device world, we were always looking at IP and then finding just little nifty ways to get around it, basically compete in their space. So it's just all about execution, in my opinion. Right, right. No, that's great, great stuff. And anyone that, that was listening uh, or, or wants some book re- recommendations while we're on that topic, I, I recently just um, finished uh, run, uh, a book called Running Lean. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's by Ash. I don't uh, pronounce his last name, Ash Moria. That's next on my list. Yeah. I actually just got that. It's, uh, it's a fantastic book. It's like the, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard of, or most people have heard of the Lean Startup, but it's uh, it's more tactical approach, uh, sort of... Uh, um, more tact, more tactics versus theory uh, in terms of uh, uh, kind of the lean startup movement. But that's a great book. So let's go ahead. And, I mean, if, anything else you want to add before I before we go ahead and, and finish this up? No, other than I just appreciate the opportunity to 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 have the conversation with you and be a part of your program. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. No, absolutely. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I think it was I think it was great. And for those listening, 
that have stuck with us for the you know for the course of this 45 minutes or so. Thanks for your listening attention. Remember, you can uh, you can subscribe to the if you're listening uh, to this this audio podcast um, or this audio uh, uh, episode. You can always subscribe uh, to the Medsider podcast for free. Just do a search on Medsider or Stitcher Radio or Downcast, uh, whatever app you uh, you prefer. Do a search for medical device or medside, it'll come up, and you can subscribe for free. Ju- or jump on the website and subscribe to the email list, and uh, and you'll be notified when a new episode goes live. But uh, anyway, thanks for uh, th- thanks for your listening attention. Until the next episode of Medsider, uh, everyone, take care.